0: Hi, welcome to the next episode of How Good It Is, a weekly podcast that takes a closer look at songs from the rock and roll era, and we check out some of the stories behind those songs and the artists who made them famous. My name is Claude Cole, and suddenly I'm doing late night recording again. Hey, don't forget to check out the website, howgooditis.com, and the Twitter, and the Instagram, and of course the Facebook page, which you can find over at facebook.com slash how good it is pod. Oh! Here's a fun trivia question for ye. It was on June 2nd, 1953, that Queen Elizabeth II ascended the throne more than a year after the death of her father, King George VI. Because, you know, you can't rush coronations. A few months after that big event, a trio of choir boys performed for the new Queen of England. It was around Christmas time, and one of those young singers later became a rather prominent figure in rock and roll. Who was this young lad who sang Christmas carols for a 25-year-old Queen Elizabeth? I will have that answer at the end of the program. Well, The Village People, despite being a disco group, is an act that, believe it or not, musically falls somewhere between the Archies and the Monkees. Now, before you tune out too quickly, well, you did download the show already, so you might as well stick with me here while I turn back the clock. (music) And we landed mid 1970s France, where a couple of producers by the names of Henri Bellolo and his partner slash composer Jacques Morali are the heads of a company called Can't Stop Productions. They had a bunch of hits in France and all over Europe, but they wanted to break into the American market, so they crossed the pond and they came to New York City. And since was this was the early disco era, Amorali was working on a few dance tunes when he met a musician and a Broadway performer by the name of Victor Willis. Willis gave him a tape of a few songs he had written. Uh, and what happened was, Morali said to him later on, I had a dream that you sang lead on my album, and it went very, very big. And with that, Willis agreed to be the voice of the Village People. That name, the Village People, incidentally, derives from the New York City neighborhood of Greenwich Village, which was known for a pretty sizable gay population. And make no mistake, while this was the band's target audience, I don't want you to confuse their appeal to gay audiences with the idea that the band members themselves are gay, but we'll get to all of that shortly. That first album only had four tracks on it, but it did manage to get some traction in the dance clubs, especially the first track, which is what you're listening to now. It's titled San Francisco, You've Got Me. Now here's the problem. When you've got a record that's successful, people are going to come after you to perform. And when you don't have a group as such, you need to put one together. So Morale had to throw a bunch of dancers together to perform behind Willis when they did club and television appearances. And because they were basically targeting a homosexual audience, Morale put together a bunch of macho gay fantasy personae. From that they cast their Native American, the cowboy, the leatherman biker type, the construction worker, and an athlete who was later on recast as the military guy. Sometimes he was a soldier, sometimes he was a sailor and of course they had Willis as the police officer. They also brought in Peter Whitehead to help with songwriting but you can see him in the dancing in the video for San Francisco. But this particular collection was just meant to uh, fill the bill for the time being. Both Willis and Morales saw the need to put a more permanent group together. So, Morale took out an ad in a theater trade paper reading, Macho Types Wanted, Must Dance and Have a Mustache. And from that ad, they cast a new The Leatherman, a new Construction Worker, and a new Cowboy. By this point, most of the Macho Man album had already been recorded, so they did a quick photo shoot with this lineup, and they finished off the album, then released both the Macho Man album and the single around the same time in February of 1978. And you know, for my money, Macho Man is pretty much the same song as San Francisco. But anyway, before I move into YMCA, let me address the gay thing, okay? The village people were clearly designed to attract gay audiences while at the same time mocking the stereotypes. You could argue that they were exploiting the stereotypes, but at this point, it's pretty much potato-potato, right? But were the group's members themselves gay? Well, not all of them, anyway. Now, while Jacques Morali was, in fact, gay, his, his partner, Henri Belolo, was not, and neither was Victor Willis. In fact, Willis was originally married to Felicia Ayers' album, Alan, uh, who later married uh, Ahmad Rashad. As far as the rest of the group, I'm sure it's a mixed bag, but I'm not going to do a specific rundown, especially at this point the group has had two dozen people cycling through its ranks. And while these stereotypical characters played well to the LGBT community in the dance club, it's still kind of a big leap to declare that the discotheques were a gay thing, as I did hear more than once back in the day. I mean, Saturday Night Fever was the biggest disco soundtrack ever, and nobody ever accused the Bee Gees of being gay, so I don't really get that argument. If you don't like the disco, fine, that's up to you to like it or not. But it's kind of silly to place a genre of music in the gay pile, you know? So the Village People were growing in popularity and because the albums didn't have a huge number of tracks on them, something like four or five total, the output of the albums was kind of high for that period. And it was only a couple of months to get later that work started on the next set of songs for their third album, titled Cruisin'. Now, according to an interview he did with Spin Magazine, cowboy Randy Jones said that shortly after moving to New York in 1975, he joined the YMCA, specifically the McBurney YMCA, which at the time was located on 23rd Street between 7th and 8th Avenues. And I'm pretty sure that place is in Chelsea neighborhood rather than the village, but no matter. He said he took Morelli there a few times, and Morali was fascinated by the place because you could work out with weights, you could play basketball, you could swim, you could take classes, and you could get a room for anywhere between a few days up to several weeks if you needed it. Plus, Jones said, as a gay man, Morali was impressed by all the people he was meeting, who he'd seen in adult films. Construction worker David Hodo continues the story by saying that Cruisin', the album, was nearly done, but they needed one more track to finish it out. How many times have we heard this story, where the big hit turns out to be the one they needed to fill out the track? Morale had been to the YMCA a few times, and he knocked out the melody, the chorus, and the basic structure in about 20 minutes then he gave it to Victor Willis to finish. Now, Willis's story is a little bit different. In an interview he did on Sirius XM in 2013, he says that Morale approached him and said, what exactly is this YMCA? And after Willis explained it to him, Morale got a look on his face and told Willis they were about to write a song about it. But in the end, he also says that the song came together very quickly. And I think it's that tension between Morali and Willis that gives the song the gay undertones without being an explicitly gay song. On its face, it's an acknowledgement of the YMCA as a place for urban youths to get together and have fun through basketball and swimming, but you could also read it as a popular place for gays to cruise and to hook up with one another, especially if you were younger. Willis has always acknowledged the double entendre of the song, but he says he has no qualms with the gay community adopting it as an anthem. But in the meantime, the song still manages to keep its mainstream attraction. Now, the song does have a video, which is kind of rare for 1978, considering that MTV wasn't around yet. But there were plenty of outlets in Europe that were showing videos. And since the Village People were popular in Europe, they shot a a video using the McBurney YMCA as a backdrop. Unfortunately, that YMCA has moved almost 10 blocks from its original location, so you can't visit there anymore, and in fact, I'm pretty sure the building itself is gone now. But you can visit the West Side Piers and Hudson River Park, where other major parts of the video were shot, if you're so inclined. Now something you're not going to see in that video is the arm movements that everybody knows go with the letters in the chorus. That's because the village people didn't come up with it. Now in the video, when they get to the chorus, they throw their arms up in the air in that Y position, but that's largely a coincidence, it's a dance step. But now we fast forward to a couple of months after the record was released and the village people are performing the song on American Bandstand. One of the things that becomes immediately apparent is that the group isn't doing the arm letters, but the audience is. What's more, someone in production noticed it and you start seeing more shots of the audience during the chorus than the village people. And when the song ends, Dick Clark does a quick interview with the band members, but then he has the technical crew re-cue the record so that the village people can see what the audience was doing. So they play back the record a little bit. The audience again goes into doing the arm letters. And after the chorus fades out, Dick Clark says, you think you can work that into your routine? To which Willis replies, I think we're going to have to. And a tradition was born in weddings, bar mitzvahs, and sports events nationwide. And I will link to that video on uh, the website. It's uh, pretty poor quality because you're talking about a VHS transfer, but it's definitely visible. It's definitely audible. It's a little bit out of sync, but you'll get it. While I'm at it, I should point out that you do the M by touching your fingers in front of you or on top of your head, not on your shoulders. You're not doing 20-second timeout. And when you do the C, it's supposed to look like a C to the people watching you. So it's supposed to be backwards from your point of view okay so the day the bandstand appearance was also the day that the song hit number one in the uk and it remained there for three weeks here in the united states it stalled out at number two but it stayed in that position for three weeks it was held out of the top slot by lefreak by chic for the first week and then by rod stewart's do you think i'm sexy for the other two weeks in many other countries it was a number one hit including australia where it held the top spot for five weeks and what does the ymca have to think about all this Their relationship with the song has gone back and forth, really. At first, they didn't like it, and around the same time that it was on the charts, the YMCA was actually threatening to sue the band. Then they kind of leaned into it, because it kind of put a spotlight on their brand that, let's face it, a lot of companies spend tons of money trying to attract. And in that 2013 Spin article, their media relations manager was quoted as saying, we at the YMCA celebrate the song. It's a positive statement about the YMCA and what we offer to people all around the world. Having said that, just a couple of years ago, a different spokesman for YMCA of the USA said they never authorized the village people to use the trademark to sell goods and services, and they would object to any use that could cause the public to conclude otherwise. So do with that what you will. But by that time they had already rebranded themselves as simply the Y, which the village people recorded as thinking it was kind of a silly change. And meanwhile, halfway around the world, the Australian YMCA is embracing the whole thing. Boy George recorded this acoustic cover for the Australian YMCA as part of their hashtag why not campaign. Short on your toe, you can stay there. And I'm sure you will find many ways to have a good time. Hashtag Why Not aims it's to provide to a voice to young people to speak out on issues that affect them, such as marriage equality, uh, mental health, and youth unemployment. And you can find them on the web at uh, why not, not, whynot.org.au. All right, now it's time to answer today's trivia question. Way back on page two, I asked you to identify the future rock star who, as a choir boy, performed at a Christmas concert for a young Queen Elizabeth. Well, that young lad would be Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones. As a boy soprano, Keefe was part of a trio who performed for the Monarch at Westminster Abbey. He said once in an interview that he was recruited for the choir while he was a student at Dartford Technical High School and he and his friends spent a lot of time practicing because they did a bunch of high-end performances. But when he turned 13 and his voice changed, well, that was the end of that and he wound up having to repeat a year of school because he had missed so much with all the rehearsals. Ultimately, repeating the grade led to allowing his rebellious streak to come out, and he was eventually expelled for truancy. So while we definitely have uh, Dartford Technical High School to thank for the Rolling Stones, we may also have Queen Elizabeth II to thank as well. And that's another full lid on yet another edition of How Good It Is. If you're enjoying the show, please take the time to share it with someone and maybe even leave a rating somewhere. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can email me at howgoodpodcasts at gmail.com or you can follow the show on Twitter or Instagram at howgooditispod. You can also visit, like, and follow the show's Facebook page at facebook.com slash howgooditispod. Or you can check out the show's website, howgooditis.com, where you might find a few extra bits thanks as usual to podcast republic for featuring the show and next time around we're going to find out how good it is to be a runaway huh thanks for listening and i will talk to you next time